Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside here on the Gridcoin Discord server. Today is March 19th, 2021, and we're going to be doing a crash course into uh, Gridcoin, what it is, what blockchain networks are, and all that fun stuff. The the fun economics. We're building nations over here. Guys, how exciting is that? But first, hey, what's up? Join us every Friday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on the Gridcoin Discord server. We talk about all things Gridcoin. You're welcome to bring your questions, your projects, your ideas, your concerns, your comments, and we'll talk about them. Get a good group of people live in the chat. Often there will be uh, devs here with us as well. Uh, so bring ideas for them if you want to talk about how we might implement things on the roadmap, like MRC, uh, the treasury system, change of the polling. Uh, work on magnitude, maybe some tiered magnitude systems, uh, automate the whitelist. Um, those are the big ones that I'm rattling off the top of my head. Come on in and talk to Jim. He's often here. Uh, otherwise, come in and talk in the chat, text chat, mic chat. You're welcome to join Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he's always here live, just kind of hanging out. Jeff Goldblum, the Discord user, loves Gridcoin. Um, that said, I guess we'll just get into some news here. Uh, there is a new mandatory update, and I'm going to say this again, that fixes the newbie bug. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers pretty hard right here. Uh, so this is 5.3. You must be on 5.3 to be on the most up-to-date uh, non-forked chain. Update your wallet. It's already out. There was no block trigger. Uh, it was basically a hot fix, but the fix had to come in the form of a mandatory because it dealt with the consensus layer of the blockchain. What's that mean? Stay tuned for like another two minutes and you'll hear about consensus layers. That's really it though for news. Uh, Minecraft is home is list. Minecraft at home is listed. We talked about that last week with the guys from the Minecraft at home uh, team. Uh, I didn't mention this last week, but uh, congrats to everyone who helped put that poll together. Uh, that was done by the newly formed whitelisting committee which is an open channel here on Discord. Uh, and that's it. You can join that committee if you want to help whitelist projects in the future. If you want to help figure out how we should re essentially re-whitelist all the legacy projects, because there are a lot of projects on the uh, being incentivized with Gridcoin, with GRC, that are just there because they've been there forever. And really a lot of people have been bringing up, and it's a good idea, that we should uh, re-pull every single whitelisted project. And that's gonna take a while. There's a lot of different ways we could do it. Some I think are better than other uh, other ways, and some you might think are better than the ways I think are better. But we gotta talk about it, figure it out. And then maybe there's a way we should, um, or we, we could automatically pull a project every year or two basically like a term limit right so every every couple of years the network must discuss whether the project still aligns with the values of the network and should continue to be incentivized with grc i think that's a very interesting and i think it's a good idea but i'm not sure if my mind is going to change on that after discussion uh, i i can think of some pros and cons to it uh has anyone bought a house with their cactus stonk yet <laughs> which was the cactus stonk gridcoin did oh gridcoin <laughs> <laughs> find cactus buy house <laughs> yeah. uh, uh all right so that's the news if anyone else has any news throw it in the chat i'll be sure to bring it up um i guess we'll talk about uh gridcoin now so gridcoin is this thing this thing it's this thing that is uh called an open economic network and you can think of OENs as follows. 
Well, first, start with closed economic networks. And we all live in them. They're nations. The United States is one. The, the Eurozone, I guess, is one. That's not really a nation. Uh, the UK is one now. Uh, Australia is one. Every nation is a... Every sovereign state is one. Any state that can print its own currency is a closed economic network. It's an economic network because it prints its own currency. And then it distributes that currency in its own means. Uh, it raises funds through its own means. It, it uh, spends money on collaborative efforts through its own means. Um, and those means are defined by a closed network, by a, um, a group of people that are either appointed or um, in a position such that it's very difficult for anyone to become that person, right? It's it's very difficult for someone to become Mnuchin or whoever the uh, that guy is nowadays with the change in administration. Um, so every sovereign state that prints its own currency is a closed economic network. So what's an open economic network then? It's the same thing. Uh, it's not a sovereign state, but it prints its own currency. It distributes that currency. Some of them do raise funds, uh, and some of them distribute those funds in a specific way for collaborative efforts. Uh, the state part of it is actually a ledger. So you can think of nations as simply ledger managers. All states do is manage money ledgers. They print the currency and they put it places. That's just the ledger. That's all that is. So an open economic network runs on this technology called a blockchain, which is just an, a permissionless ledger where you don't need that close-knit group of people managing the ledger because you have this technology which enables trustless systems trustless ledgers to exist. Uh, and when you have that system, uh, it can be implemented in a, that system can be implemented in a way such that anyone can be in the position to uh, manage the ledger. That's the main difference. They do open economic networks do the same thing as closed economic networks, except anyone can participate, just like open source does the same thing as closed source, just anyone can manipulate, read, and, and, and do the stuff to the code. It's still software, but open versus closed. Uh, that is Gridcoin. That is Bitcoin. That is Ethereum. That is every standalone blockchain. It's not tokens. Tokens are things that are built on top of open economic networks, actually part of the ecosystem. So NFTs are uh, parts, if they're built on Ethereum, they're a aspect of the Ethereum ecosystem, the Ethereum open economic network. Uh, what are other tokens? There are some tokens like Golem or um, I've actually forgotten a lot of the ICOs that were just tokens and weren't blockchains because there were so many of them that just disappeared because a lot of them are useless. Uh, but Golem is like another distributed computing token that I'm not even sure is being developed anymore. Uh, if they are, sorry. <laughs> that is a token on top of Ethereum. So any standalone blockchain is his, o is his own OEN. Uh, so Gridcoin mints currency. That's the base layer of any economic network. How does Gridcoin mint currency? Similar to how a nation mints a currency. There is an amount of currency minted uh, in a nation by a central bank, and then that money goes to other banks through loans and through uh, grants, basically, uh, into the economy. Uh, essentially, it goes from a central bank to another 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 bank to a business owner who wants to do something through a loan. Uh, so Gridcoin, in contrast to that, mints a currency from a central bank, except the central bank is a protocol. 
that's written into code, and that code is open source. That's the open economics part. Uh, that code then uh, has math in it that says we're going to mint X amount of GRC per day, uh, and we're going to do Y with it. So the difference there is in the closed economic networks, the people who run that system can just decide that they're going to turn on the money printer tomorrow and print $6 billion uh, and give it to whoever they want. They're going to use it to buy bonds or to buy junk bonds or to prop up pensions or to do whatever they want with it. No one has input to it. With uh, Gridcoin, it's written in the code how much will be minted a day, and that's very difficult to change. In order to change it, you're going to have to convince a large network of people, everyone who actually runs the wallet, um, essentially, that your change is of benefit to them so that they are now going to download the new software and run the new software with the new math in it, the new economics. So that's the minting part. And then the distributing part, it's also in the protocol. And it's also very difficult to change. And it's distributed as follows. Uh, there are two incentive structures. And the I can't just pop that in. So let's talk about incentive structures really quick. In nations, in closed networks, there are incentive structures. In governments, you're incentivized to um, interest rates are one example. You're incentivized either to save money or spend money based on interest rates. You're incentivized to buy solar panels or not buy solar panels based on like subsidies and, and tax rebates and all that stuff. Uh, you're incentivized to work because you get paid for your work. Uh, you're incentivized to start businesses based on tax, uh, taxes and interest rates and all that stuff. So those are the incentives that most everyone knows about. The most common one is you're incentivized to work because time equals money. The more hours you put in, more dollars you make. Minimum wage is exactly that. Uh, one hour of your time is worth at least 10 or $15 or like $2, whatever. Uh, in Gridcoin, we say, well, we have two incentive structures at the, uh, the base layer. The first one is uh, a certain amount of the, the GRC minted per day is given to people who secure this public ledger. So in nations, when they secure the ledger, it's, it's securing the ledger is actually a time-intensive task. It's not. It, it's a valuable thing, and it's not an easy thing to do. This technology uses incentives to make people want to help perform the task of securing the ledger. So Gridcoin is no different from every other blockchain. We have to incentivize people to help maintain this public ledger of where money goes. Uh, and to do that, we incentivize people with 10 GRC per what's called a block, and we won't get into that. So that is a small portion of the GRC minted per day. And the second incentive, and this is the majority of the GRC minted per day, is distributed to people who uh, contribute uh, computer cycles, processing cycles to uh, Boink projects on the Gridcoin whitelist. So we just added Minecraft at home, and there's like, I don't know how many are on there right now, but it's like between 15 and 20 whitelisted projects. Most of them are science-based. All of them are science and math-based, actually. Um, and if you crunch those projects, you get GRC. So it's not like me, Jay Ringo. I, I don't have 60 billion GRC, and I'm distributing it to people on these on these point projects because I choose to. It's actually GRC is being generated. It's being minted by a, a set of computer code, by a protocol, and distributed directly to people contributing cycles to these projects. So they, you can contrast that with the nation system, where it's print money, give it to a bank, give it to a bank, 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 bank person, and... Uh, so when you think about that bank flow, 
Like, it seems like that's very wasteful. Why don't you just give it to the person who wanted to start the business in the first place? Uh, and a lot of times when there's stimulus, that's actually what happens. So that's actually happening right now uh, with the $1.9 trillion, but still through banks. It's not just going money printed to people. It's going money printed to bank to person. Uh, in Gridcoin, we give money directly to people in the scientific system uh, who then inject it into the economy by whatever means they want. So scientific people uh, buy sciencey things. They buy computer hardware. They buy, I don't know, whatever, espresso machines, apparently. Uh, so that is a different economy than one where money filters through a bunch of banks, which are trying to profit and trying to skim money off the top. Then um, th those are two different economies. And we argue that an economy based on science um, is much more valuable than an economy based on financial systems. Financial systems are still valuable, but maybe they shouldn't be the root layer of how currency gets distributed. So in the future, maybe Gridcoin develops things, these things that are called Gridcoin grants, where a scientist can actually come to the network and propose a scientific experiment or some research, whatever. And uh, if the network approves the proposal, get Gridcoin directly out of the minting mechanism or some through some other means that's very close to that minting mechanism and fund research directly through that. The contrast to that in the closed systems are a scientist or researcher goes to NSF or NIH, which are wonderful institutions, and asks money from them. Now, there's two big differences there. One is NSF and NIH are funded by tax dollars. So that means that money is printed, goes through the bank chain, gets into the small through a loan to a small business or someone who takes out a loan then cycles through the economy and a fraction of it goes back to the government <laughs> which started the cycle in the first place so that's a long train there's lots of waste there and there's probably a more efficient way to do that and in fact a grid coin grant would probably be a more efficient way to do that where you just go straight from the minting press to the scientist the researcher straight from the minting press to nsf and nih uh so with the tax uh, system, the tax flow in a nation. There are a lot of problems there with changes in administrations and, and how much they want to fund them, projects that that start and then stop because funding drops or, or whatever. With a protocol system, it's going to be a little different. So the other difference is who makes the decisions uh, in regards to what gets funded. In the closed system with NIH, NSF, there is a group of experts that make decisions on what gets funded. There's, it's a smallish group. Uh, they all got there because they're experts in their field. They've been doing what they do for a very long time. Uh, and in the open system, a network makes the decisions. And that's actually very, very complicated. But the simple way to put it is that everyone makes a decision. So instead of NSF saying that they're going to fund uh, Velcro development, uh, everyone and everyone would have to say that we're going to fund velcro development right and the the intricacies of that open system like i said are very complex because you, you still want to weigh the fact that some people are experts in microbiology and they should probably be the ones with the loudest voice when it comes to funding microbiology proposals etc cetera, etc cetera. so that's complicated uh it has to do with decentralized governance and that is something that blockchain technology enables because governance is a ledger of laws and enforcement uh and if blockchain technology is just maintaining a ledger, there's a way to put management of laws and enforcement of laws into a protocol run out of the blockchain. <laughs> okay, so 
to get to the ch is that basically before I get to the chat is that basically what gridcoin is we're a currency that incentivizes science uh, through boink we may add folding at home recent or in the near future but we can really incentivize anything uh, because we're an open system where people can add incentive layers as long as the network agrees to it uh, that is basically it. Beyond that, it's just like a great community of people who love Boink, who love science, who love com distributed computing, uh, and are super, super nerdy, and oh, also love economics and politics, because crypto is very much tied to economics politics. Uh, there's a field called crypto economics, if anyone out there is listening to this wants to get into it. It's a very interesting field that uh, all blockchains need help in. <laughs> so let's put it that way. So going to the chat here, throw other questions in there, two guys if you have them uh what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a token versus maintaining an entire chain and coins this is coming from a guy whose name starts with z um so when you run your own blockchain like what gridcoin does you are an open economic network you get to choose everything that goes on in that network um when you are a token you actually don't have a lot of choices a token is essentially a contract you, when you start a token you write a contract when you sign a contract that's uh, too complicated. Um, yeah, when you're a token, you are beholden to any rules and laws that are enforced by the blockchain layer that you are built on top of. So if you build a token that's dependent on some of the economics of the lower layer of the blockchain layer, and then those economics change, your token is screwed. I don't think that's ever happened, actually. But the you just have less freedom as a token. Some things should be tokens. Not everything needs to be a blockchain. But if you have a ledger of data, you probably want to have a blockchain. And we're in the grid coins working with the scientific arena. Science, there's a lot of ledgers in science. There's publishing houses, there's expertise like accreditation, there's funding, uh, there's computation cycles, there's 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 a lot of different types of ledgers that probably should be decentralized because currently they're very centralized and there's a lot of inefficiencies. Uh, oh, I just thought of something I wanted to bring up. Oh, so one... One more thing that has to do with GRC directly, and it kind of deals with broader cryptocurrencies. This stuff is money. It is currency. Uh, it is currency because it cannot be duplicated. It's secured by cryptography, but it's currency that's run on computer code. And that's the magic of it. That's why anyone can build the economics into the currency and anyone can build new incentives into any of these blockchains because it's programmable money. And when you can program money, um, who knows what you can do? You can do a lot of stuff because uh, you're not dependent on Mnuchin or whoever the new guy is to... Um, is it Yellen? Is Janet Yellen the new Mnuchin? Anyway, you're not dependent on that person to uh, really make the rules for you. You can make the rules for you. And then Gridcoin is part of this larger cryptocurrency sphere, which is basically there are thousands of different cryptocurrencies. So you have an open market of currencies. And what that does is it allows people to choose which currency they like. So I live in the United States. I'm required to pay my taxes in US dollars. That means that the US dollar is my currency. I can't choose a different one. If I have to pay tax, if, if my taxes can be paid in any currency, I would choose a currency that aligns most with the values that I subscribe to. So I would choose a science-based coin. Uh, versus like a military-based coin. Uh, that's a very simplified example. But that's sort of the concept that opens up when you have thousands of different currencies, each doing a different thing. It's um, 
It allows for greater, on an even broader scale, allows for greater flexibility in financial systems so that if, for example, we live in the current, um, we live in a monopoly, a monopolized financial system and it's monopolized by the US dollar. Everything's like pegged to the US dollar. So if the US dollar collapses, the rest of the world's kind of screwed and we're going to go through a tumultuous and, and volatile period where finances get resettled. And this happens several times. It happens several times in the 1900s alone. So it happens fairly often. But if we have a fluid system of currencies, a marketplace where if uh, one currency fails, everyone can just seamlessly choose a different currency that hasn't failed yet. And, and there's, there's intricate uh, protocols having to deal with that, that seems like we will have less periods, fewer periods of volatile transition between uh, economic systems because economic systems evolve and change over time. Um, I'm catching up on the chat here. This is an interesting thought. Uh, Chip says tax evasion with crypto will force governments to stop enforcing inefficient and obscure forms of taxation uh, like income tax and capital gains, et cetera, and start more efficiently taxing uh, like things like consumption and lamb and land it's an interesting concept and to bring did someone want to say something no that's, that's my opinion <laughs> okay i thought i heard a mic off uh with to bring taxes into crypto uh so i use the example i can only pay my u.s tax with u.s dollars similarly i can only transact with the gridcoin blockchain with grc so that's like a tax layer so every time i send 50 GRC across the network, I have to pay like a fraction of a GRC. And that's because um, those blocks I sort of glanced over earlier um, that are secured by what are called stakers. So the people who are helping secure this transparent ledger, this open ledger, uh, need to be incentivized to do so. And one of one aspect of that incentivization, like I said, comes from the protocol, and another aspect comes from what are called transaction fees, because the larger, the more transactions that are shoved into what is called a block, the more difficult it is to create that block. Uh, therefore, they need to get incentivized to want to create that difficult block. So to incentivize someone to want to make more difficult blocks and not just look for the easy ones, um, you add transaction fees. So a very difficult block will have more transaction fees, which means people will want to create that block. You guys are just slamming on the taxes in the chat. Yay, it is Yellen. Thank you. So that is basically it. I've given this spiel so many times and it changes every time I give it. So I can't tell if this was very scattered or not. Uh, leave questions in the comments to this video and join us if you want to go deeper into some of the concepts. Uh, join us every Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah, basically it's an open source currency this is crazy it's absolutely nuts you can do whatever you want with it you can fork it you can change the economics through a process you can you can build on top of it whatever you want to build that was quicker than i expected does anyone should i talk about anything else any questions one of the big things that people bring up with these cryptocurrencies this magical internet money is that you can't buy bread with them you can't spend them anywhere <laughs> and for the most part just ignore that you will be able to buy stuff with it. You can actually pay taxes in Bitcoin in several places. Uh, you can. I know people who have lived for the past seven years off of Bitcoin alone. So it's just just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Uh, so it's not easy to do, but it will become very easy in the probably pretty close future. Like not too distant future. This is going to happen. Um, for example, just some evidence to this mindless rambling, PayPal is developing systems where you will be able to use cryptocurrency to buy products 
through any of their wherever they are used to buy things right um that's that chip brings up that there are also cryptocurrency cards which convert to fiat currency at the point of sale yeah so it's an interesting concept are you actually using your currency to buy a product if the vendor is immediately translating it to their national national currency and accepting the national currency and what this ties into is the concept of um, a marketplace of currencies because what's likely going to happen is we're going to have a multi-currency economy which globally already exists we every sovereign state has its own currency right and eurozone being its own sovereign state uh and when i pay this isn't really how it works but when i pay for a product in europe with the u.s dollar they just take the dollar translate it to euros and then accept the euros right so imagine that, except without sovereign states controlling all the currencies. You have thousands of currencies. I, as a vendor, might only want Dogecoin. So someone can pay in Gridcoin, but the application I use or some sort of software bridge will immediately translate that Dogecoin to, or that Gridcoin to Dogecoin based on current market value. And then I'll have that Dogecoin. Uh, I could accept all every single cryptocurrency out there that would be madness to manage unless there's an amazing wallet out there at some point but <laughs> i could technically just accept any currency uh i think that's more of a philosophical question than a technical one <laughs> which part <laughs> well like the like the comment i just made if there's a guy standing between me and the car dealership who is accepting my chickens and giving the car dealer a thousand dollars for every chicken that i give him did i just buy a car with chickens or did i buy it with dollars <laughs> Right, you used. Uh, that's actually that brings up a, an interesting, uh, a very important vocab word that I've never used during these middleman. You used a middleman to buy a car, so I think you bought a car and chickens hmm. to answer the question. But the the use of a middleman is critical because that middleman could take the chickens and run. They could take a fee for you using that middleman as a, as a service provider. Or they could do a whole slew of things. They could betray your trust as a middleman at any point. And what blockchain technology does is it makes trustless middlemen. So it gets rid of gets rid of is a little extreme, but it reduces the dependency on services like Visa and Mastercard, where they Visa and Mastercard are just middlemen entities that secure ledgers and ensure that money gets to where it's supposed to go. And for that service, they take a, a very large fee. So that's yeah you you definitely paid in chickens through a middleman and in the future you'll just be able to digitize those chickens <laughs> and they'll immediately use a, a blockchain middleman chicken contract <laughs> yes the chicken contract nft on the gridcoin blockchain first secured by physical assets <laughs> okay i think that's a good enough intro i feel like it was very scattered but it should uh, give you a nice base of the concepts. Open Economic Network, you can Google that. I actually don't know how much writing is, uh, uh, call these things OENs. Uh, you can Google programmable money. Um, that's it. Other than that, it's just the big ones, blockchain and cryptocurrency. So again, if you have any questions about Gridcoin specifics, how we sort of convert the amount of computer cycles that someone contributes to these Boink projects into GRC, uh, how our voting mechanism works, what the actual integrate economics are. Join us or ask, ping me on Discord, and I'll talk. I'll like make whatever your question is the uh, the subject for one week, uh, and we'll talk about it. Like the magnitude, which is the 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 mechanism by which we translate 
um, computer cycles into GRC is a very interesting part of our protocol. And it actually creates additional incentives on top of those core two, the, the principal layer incentives for securing the ledger and for contributing to Boink projects that we approve. Uh, we have additional incentive layers just because of the economics we've implemented. So yeah, come ask questions and get involved. It's a lot of fun. Worst comes to worst, you meet some people and talk about Boink rigs. Nothing wrong with that. Other than that, have a great weekend, guys.